Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today we are talking all about composting and how to use it in your garden. Last week we dug into composting materials a little bit and gathering your materials. This week we're talking about composting and how to use the compost, right? And you might be thinking, especially if you're new, what on earth does compost have to do with integrated pest management and as i mentioned in last week's podcast it all starts with the soil and caring for both above and below the ground and compost is the cheapest and simplest thing that you can do to improve your garden soil now luckily there's lots and lots of options to make compost in the home garden from simple composters made from pallets or tumbling composters made from 55 gallon drums or barrels wormeries that you can make from five gallon buckets or bakashi composters that you can make from five gallon buckets right i've even seen um wormeries made from old coffee cans which i thought was genius you can use a lot of waste products on your homestead to make gardeners gold and there's a reason why compost is called gardeners gold because it helps your garden thrive and it saves you a ton of money so i definitely compost a lot and i know lots and lots of organic gardeners um, compost in fact I don't know an organic gardener who doesn't compost right and I think just because it's handling waste materials like compost bins have been given quite a bad rap right we we often hide them away and that's why I'm encouraging people to show off your compost bin because they are the workhorse of your garden and when it comes to composting there's different options available there's lots of options available right you can buy composters you can make them yourself right there's lots of things that are available and you really need to choose the ones that work for you and for the space that you have not every compost method works for everyone and that's okay and um, when it comes to getting started with your composting adventure, like take some time to do some research and kind of look at different options that you might want to try for your garden. That's totally okay to do. Certainly my first adventure in composting started because the city I was living in in the UK, um, the city council offered discounted rates on composters um, because it helped reduce the amount of waste that was going into the dump or you know to the to the trash and um, so they offered like a, a significant discount on buying a composter um, I remember the composters that my grandparents had that was on the driveway right both of those came from the local city council so if you're in the UK and you're listening to this definitely check out your local council and see what they have to offer even if you're not in the UK um, take a look and see if there are anything that your local city um, offices and town hall and whether they offer any rebates or discounts or anything like that on composters and things to help you recycle a little more. Um, it never hurts to do some legwork and to check. There's also tons of options to make compost in the garden, right? You can make simple composters from pallets. You can make a tumbling composter from 55 gallon drums or barrels. You can make wormeries from five gallon buckets or turn a 
book it into a bakashi composter um you can even make wormeries from coffee cans right the the list is endless when it comes to making um use of things on your homestead turning something that's a waste product to make gardener's gold right whether it's the actual waste going into the compost or you're using materials to make it into a composter there's so many tutorials out there there's just so much um you know inspiration for a gardener nowadays to make a compost bin so definitely take a look and see which one might work for you now i'm going to break it down into the different types of composting because very much the the type of compost that you're going to make is going to help Help drive what sort of composter that you need so let's talk about some of those and first up is cold composting and um, this is typically done in you know a normal compost bin it is the easiest and most common composting method that most gardeners use you simply add your compostable materials to the bin keep things moist and turn it over occasionally right things want to be moist like a wrung out sponge or a wrung out dishcloth not waterlogged or underwater like my compost bin is so those of you that are in the facebook group and that are following along with the show off your composter thread then you will see mine that is in there my temporary one and it is waterlogged and um, i also have a metal tumbling composter which is closer to the house that I love because it is rodent proof. And for those of you that live rurally, um, you know that rodents um, are a normal part and parcel of living out here. So having something that's rodent proof is um, definitely worthwhile. And even if you are in a suburban yard, then I would definitely take a look at maybe having something like a tumbling composter where you can keep critters to a minimum. Um, and then you know it also helps you to kind of use a bit more of the space because you've got a smaller footprint with a tumbling composter the downside is that you have a smaller capacity um, in a tumbling composter than what you would have with an on-ground compost bin so just some things to think about there but composting with this cold composting method typically takes from six months to two years um, to have finished compost and that's because things break down slowly you will find that there's earwigs millipedes and worms and spiders that are in your compost pile and they're all there to help break things down and if you're okay with all of that and you don't mind having um you know your compost take a lot longer these things are great if you're only producing small amounts of waste that are kind of little and often right you're still going to get compost um, at the end of it but it's just going to take a lot more time um, there are things that you can do to speed up your cold composting pile there's um, activators that you can add like comfrey or yarrow they help to speed up the the breaking down of your compost bin you can dig things over so you can turn your compost bin which adds in oxygen so all of those microbes that are in your compost bin get this flush of oxygen and start to break things down more rapidly um, and that's that's one trick that you can use um, it's also a good idea to check your compost bin and you know see if it needs more water if it's starting to dry out you want to make sure um, that you add water you want to keep things moist remember moist like a wrung out sponge um not 
soaking wet um, but that'll also help break things down a little more also if you get in and turn your compost bin you're going to deter you know rodents from setting up shop in your compost bin even when I was in the suburbs um, you know mice and rats would tend to find their way to the compost pile because it was warm and it wasn't very often disturbed um, until kind of later in the season when I really wanted the compost so if you're wanting to you know have compost then those are some things that you need to think about whether you need to look for something that's going to be rodent proof whether you're wanting to build something yourself and how much compost that you're generating right how much materials are you actually um you know collecting to then put into your compost when i was in the suburbs and even now i have to think about you know having a composter that the dogs can't get into um so i like to have a big space composter um because we generate like a lot of waste materials um but i need something that the dogs can't get into and right now the temporary composter that i have um it is it does not do a good job of keeping the dogs out of it because it's really thin plastic and they can easily get into it but it's good because of the size that it's able to hold now the next type of composting is hot composting and hot composting is faster it can be ready in as little as three months which is way better than six months to two years for a cold composter um, but you need to do some preparation uh, you need a lot of materials ready to go to do this hot composting method and it's going to require a bit of effort on your part um, you need lots and lots of carbon laden or brown materials right you'll often hear us talking about browns and greens when it comes to composting brown materials are things that are dry things that have been dead for a long time um, so think things like straw uh, fall leaves shredded paper wood chips wood shavings right there's a lot of carbon that is in those and the green things, these are things that are nitrogen rich, fresh materials. So think things like grass clippings, alfalfa meal, kitchen waste and manure if you're so inclined. These are things that if you have a lot of them in a compost pile, particularly in a cold composting pile, um, your compost will start to smell. And that's one of the tricks. If you've got a compost pile that kind of stinks a little bit, um, get things turned over and add in more brown materials to help absorb some of the water that's in there and create air pockets. Because if you can get air in there, that's going to help things break down a lot faster. So when it comes to hot composting, you need a lot of materials. Um, it needs at least one cubic yard of materials and three cubic yards is so much better. Um, I, I was reading a book and I can't for the life of me remember which one it was. I got a bunch of gardening books and gardening related books for my birthday um, at the beginning of the month and I've been reading quite a lot recently um, but one of the things that I read in there uh, was there were if you have three cubic yards of dry fall leaves um, or slightly damp fall leaves and a 50 pound bag of alfalfa meal if you layer those together um, it'll work as a really fast composting mix um 
And that's kind of how com hot composting works, right? You're going to put alternating layers, so your green materials and your brown materials, four inches thick. You're going to water it and then you're going to leave it for a couple of days. Um, so leave it for about five days and then you're going to turn everything over. So all those materials that were on the perimeter, like along the outside of the composter, you're going to put those towards the middle. Everything that was on the bottom is going to be on the top, right? You really want to mix things over, turn it all over. And then every three to five days after that initial turn, you're going to do it again. You're going to turn everything over and, you know, after you've done it a few times, you'll see that that compost is going to break down very, very quickly. Um, or those materials, sorry, are going to break down and turn into compost very, very quickly. Um, you know, there's some people that have been able to really hone in hot composting and get it done in, you know, really a matter of, of days, um, which is really quite amazing. But the reason why it's called hot composting is it gets hot like super hot and it's a really good method to use if you're trying to you know reduce weed seeds or you know pathogens from you know diseased plant materials and stuff like that your average home compost is not going to get hot enough to kill off your um, pathogens which is why um, you know the advice is to not put diseased plant materials into your compost bin because it just doesn't generate the heat high enough to destroy those um, microbes that are responsible for causing those plant diseases um, but hot composting can um, if you need a lot of compost in a short amount of time then you know hot composting is the way forward but like I said, you really need to have a lot of the materials on hand ready to go to be able to make that hot compost and have um, the commitment of getting in there and being able to turn everything over. Next up is Bokashi composting and Bokashi composting uses microbes in a low oxygen environment or anaerobic environment and it basically ferments the materials right Bokashi composting is great for things like meat or bones um, and also regular compost materials but it's typically done as a pre-treatment for meat, fish, dairy, bones all those kind of things that are not typically something that you want in a compost bin because it's going to attract um, vermin and rodents to your compost pile um, so what what you do with this type of system is um, you put the materials into a container it's usually like a bucket you press the air out with kind of like a potato masher or a mallet and then you sprinkle that material with a bran that has been inoculated with special microbes and then you put a lid on it and you keep adding layers and squishing out the air, putting this bran, inoculated bran on there. And you keep doing that until your container is full. And then you let that container sit for four weeks. Um, you don't open it. You just keep draining off any liquid that um, produces at the bottom. And then you will need to bury this material or put it into a compost pile to break down further. So I would add my Bokashi um, buckets into the main compost. So it was part of like the um, turning compost turning exercise that I would do. So I would um, take down my compost, like my cold compost bin, and then I would start, you know, turning everything over, putting the things at the top on the bottom. And then I would dump my Bokashi compost into the middle of that compost 
as it was being turned and then put the stuff on top and then just kind of let it sit for another two weeks and everything kind of would speed up very very quickly after that so i like bakashi composting to uh, kind of kickstart your um sluggish cold composting heap especially if you're going to be needing that compost relatively quickly so it was it was something good that you could do to you know get that compost ready to go at the beginning of the gardening season but again it takes preparation to be able to do that and bakashi composting only ferments or pre-treats so you still need to do the extra step of burying the waste to compost it or actually put it into a compost pile so it can finish um, but that is another option especially if you've got a lot of waste coming off your homestead that are things that cannot traditionally go into a compost pile and lastly is worm composting so that's where you use worms to break down materials and worms leave behind worm castings that add various microorganisms to the soil right they're a really great addition for um you know adding to your soil right or adding to um little transplants right when you're transplanting your plants into your garden and you can pick up um various composting kits with worms like worm towers you can make your own there's tutorials for a wormery in a raised bed using pvc piping which looks really interesting um you do need to take care of what you feed your worms to get the best um, out of them and you know there's differences for things like temperature and moisture stuff like that bedding um you know feeding schedules things like that so they they take a little bit of time and there's a bit of care involved that's needed to get the best out of that and i will be a hundred percent honest with you i have never been successful with my worm farming ventures and i've tried three or four times um back in utah so if you're interested in worm composting then i urge you to do some research that's not me because i've not been successful in doing it um maybe i can give it another try um here on this homestead um i'd love to um, because i i see a lot of value in it but i've not been very successful in doing it so um but some people do you know some people think it's uh, it's a great way to compost in an apartment um or in a small urban space so definitely take a look at that um, so there's some options that you have for composting and when it comes to using your compost it's pretty simple to use it in the garden too and the easiest way to use compost in the garden is to spread it two inches thick on top of your raised beds in fall or early spring this is good for all garden beds it's going to add organic matter to the soil and you know it's a great way to replace nutrients that have been lost from the previous year from you know the growing season you harvesting the plants you can work compost into the soil by digging the garden bed over with a garden fork or a shovel but it really isn't necessary to do so um so i just spread it and forget it really um when it comes to compost in the garden because you know why why spend the time doing the extra work if if you don't have to um i do add compost when i'm building a garden bed if i have it available and when you're building a garden bed you can add the compost as you're digging that soil over this helps to spread the compost through the soil depth and throughout the garden 
bed that you are creating. Now, digging has its benefits, right? It adds in air. It can help improve the structure of the soil, especially if you've got heavy clay, but it disrupts the pathways of earthworms and opens your soil up to the germination of dormant weed seeds, things that were kind of buried deep in the soil. You're now lifting up. They're getting light they're getting air and they're going to germinate so that's why if you've ever tilled a garden bed and then come back to it like a week later and it's covered in weeds that's why um and that's why i really like no dig garden beds because you get way less weeds and less weeds means you've got to spend less time weeding which means you get more time to enjoy your garden rather than um dealing with the weeds um, one thing I will say, though, when it comes to digging a garden um, was in England, like I would always have like a robin or a blackbird that would be watching me in the garden, like whether I was on the allotment or in my backyard. And as I was putting in new garden beds, um, because I tend to dig my new garden beds um, because I'm really impatient and I want to be able to get stuff into the ground really quickly without having to wait for cardboard and stuff to decompose um so i i like to dig a, a garden bed and as you know long-term listeners may have gathered i actually quite like digging the soil too <laughs> um but it's really the only time that i do the digging but one of the things that i used to love as i was creating new garden beds was seeing the birds coming and you know hopping onto the newly dug garden bed they would swoop in when i was a safe distance away grab themselves a little worm lunch and then hop over to the garden fence and just kind of sit there munching on their snack but keeping an eye out for the next worm that they see so that was always kind of nice to see and right now i have just begun breaking ground on my new garden and i'm so excited for that um it's taking time though to build the garden beds and that's okay right i've i've got a hand injury and my husband's away so i'm very much doing what i can when i can um i might be double digging a row on an evening if it's light enough or maybe i'll do a couple of rows on you know early morning on a weekend right but i take it slow and steady one garden fork at a time right or one shovelful at a time and you know as i'm digging a row over it would be a perfect time to add to that compost right because you you dig a, a width and then remove the turf and then you've got to dig the soil over underneath um if you want to know a bit more about double digging and how to start intensive garden beds, then um, look for the intensive garden training series on the podcast to learn a bit more. I go into that a lot, but that's how I'm creating my garden beds is this double digging method. Um, although right now I don't have any finished compost, so I'm just kind of digging everything over and then getting things planted early with some spring um green manures to kind of cover things up but that's kind of one of the nice things about gardening and um i've got both no dig garden beds and in-ground garden beds that i've started digging into the turf right they're both gonna produce food um but after this initial digging of my in-ground garden beds the only time that these 
garden beds are going to be dug or shown a garden fork again is when I'm digging out potatoes or lifting stubborn um, root crops and stuff. And oh, by the way, thank you so much. Those of you who reached out to let me know that student parsnips were available. So thank you so much. Um, I have been able to get some. So I am now adding student parsnips into my garden this year. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And um, now I'm going to be able to properly do some seed saving um, on some fresh seed rather than um, the old seed that I have. So thank you so much for everybody um, who chimed in to let me know where I could get them. It is so very much appreciated. And even though parsnips are a stubborn root crop to dig out, they are one of my favorites. So I am so glad you've made me very, very happy. So thank you for that. <laughs> All right, back to the garden. So the less digging that you do will encourage more earthworms to the garden bed. And they are going to already do the work, right? They are going to work to pull that compost from the soil surface down into the soil, right? They were called nature's plows by Charles Darwin for a reason. And they really do a lot of the, the work load for you. With integrated pest management, we're balancing above the ground and below the ground. And nature doesn't do well with bare ground anywhere, really. And weed seeds germinate as a mechanism to cover that bare ground. So as soon as you can sow or plant your soil, the better. But natural mulch like leaves, straw, grass clippings from an untreated lawn, those things can be put over your garden bed to protect it before you plant it up. The sooner that you can plant it with things that you want to, the better better that your garden is going to be. So let's talk about other ways that you can use the compost because I think I've bored you enough about digging garden beds um, and uh, the I'm trying to video stuff and get that sorted for YouTube as well so you can see exactly how I'm digging my garden beds if you're interested in knowing how that um, all breaks down but there's other nifty ways that you can use compost in the garden not just spreading it onto your garden bed you can use compost to make your own seed starting mix so you can mix it with garden soil or coconut coir to add to your container plant so just take some compost and put it on the top of your pot or container that you've got plants growing in to give them a boost um, I've had mixed success with adding compost from a cold compost heap to seed starting mixes and I, I don't do it as um, the base for the actual seed starting. What I tend to do is when I've got seedlings that I am pricking out of a flat and putting into another pot, that's when I tend to add some compost into there because your seedlings have been, you know, they've germinated, they're now needing something to really start their growth. So that tends to be where I use more compost um, when it comes to seed starting. But other people have a lot of success with making their own seed starting mix and having a little bit of their own compost in there so you know play about with it and see what works for you and for your garden you can also add handfuls of compost around the base of plants and this is a great way to periodically feed your soil and plants throughout that growing season compost helps to retain moisture and helps your plants cope a little more with the heat of the summer and adding compost around heavy feeders these are crops that are known as hungry or need a lot of nutrients so think 
corn, pumpkin, squash, potatoes and cabbage, just as examples, but there's a lot more. But having, um, you know, regular additions of compost throughout the growing season helps to keep these nutrient levels topped up and help keep them growing. You can also add compost in early spring and in late fall before the snow around fruit trees and fruit bushes and shrubs like currants, raspberry canes, blackberries and blueberries to help give them a boost for the next season. And when we were in Utah, we added around four inches of compost around the drip line to our trees in our orchard. Um, now the drip line, that's where you look at your trees and where the branches stretch out to the furthest and would provide cover for the rain. So imagine like you were standing under the tree and it was it was raining, right? The drip line is where that rain would be dripping to the ground, right? Because mostly underneath those leaves, underneath that canopy, you're not going to be getting, you know, very wet. But right to that drip line where it all seems to shed off the tree that's that's your drip line right and that's where the feeder roots of your trees tend to be um so when when it comes to um you know imagining a tree roots right they look a lot like the reflection underneath the ground right so if you can imagine you know that the roots and things are spreading out just as far and just as tall but deep um you know as you're tree is stretching up and above ground so having a you know a good amount of compost being added around your tree you don't want to add it around up around the tree trunk you want to give a good few inches um, of space around that tree trunk to avoid rot and other problems but your trees are always going to appreciate compost and mulch especially after a big harvest year when your fruit trees have used a lot of energy and nutrients to produce a bumper crop and you know sometimes other other factors fall into that right with pollination and you know frosts destroying blossoms and things like that but you know you can always um try giving your fruit trees some compost or and some mulch or you know some other um, nutrients and see if that's going to help them produce a little bit better um, the next year that's that's kind of why I like to do those things in fall because you can get it spread um, you know in late in the season winter's going to come things are going to be a little dormant but then in as spring comes and the soil starts warming up again those roots are going to be ready and there's food right there that's going to be working its way down into the soil for them in early spring so that that's a good tip for you to um keep your trees and your fruit bushes and shrubs in um you know good working order and you'll see it too if you've got a raspberry patch that's been um neglected for a while like the fruits and things tend to be smaller um because there's not a lot of nutrients there but if you give them this nutrient boost and you know kind of take care of the patch a little bit you'll start to see that fruits and things get a little bit bigger you can also spread compost on your lawn. Um, if you're trying to avoid chemicals on your lawn and you need to keep it up, um, you know, I know a lot of you living in the suburbs, you need to keep in line with HOA rules and city bylaws and stuff. And a lot of the time they have specifications on what your lawn should look like. Um, but if you're looking for a um, more natural alternative, then you could spread finished compost over your lawn. It's going to add nutrients and beneficial microorganisms to improve that soil underneath the turf but 
just know that your lawn is going to look streaky and is going to have spread compost on it for a few weeks before that compost works its way into the soil. I've seen some people, you know, get a rake and rake, you know, compost into the soil as much as they can, but it does look kind of patchy um, for, for a bit whilst it's working its way down. But it is an option that is available to you. And I would love to hear from you and know how do you use compost in your garden? So let me know over in the Facebook group and show off your composter in the group. There's a bunch of uh, gardeners that have already started sharing what their composts look like and what their composters look like. But if you are a worm composter or you are making your own composters or even if you've bought a composter, I want to see what it is that you have and how you are composting. So so let me know in the Facebook group and inspire other gardeners with how you compost. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope that your garden grows beautifully. I will see you all next week.